Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRER. I'm Bobby Howe. I'm Alex Scaring. Hey, Alex. Oh, How are you? you know what, Bobby? I just realized that I'm not using my fancy dancy microphone. You're not. You're just second. Now, can you hear me? Does it sound better now? Yeah, we'll do it again. Oh, darn it. I thought that would be fun. Is that going to be fun? Does Amber want the two, two of them? It's fine. Let's just go with it. We'll keep going. So other than not having your microphone prepared, how else is your day going? Oh, it's been great. Let me tell you. I, <laughs> it's been good. You know what? I had a meeting that ran a little bit longer than I was expecting it to, which was my own folly. I should have known better than that. And then you know how this time of year is. We've got meetings upon meetings upon meetings and the real estate market even though people are acting like things have slowed down houses are still moving a lot faster than they're coming on and people have forgotten what seasonality is yep. and so everyone goes, ah, oh my gosh the house is staying on the market for two full days or, or a, whole, a whole week you know and so it's i mean it's september guys it's just how it is so that's that's what my day feels like right at the, at the very moment. How are you, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. This is like the first day in about two weeks, maybe 13 ish days that I've not just been absolutely exhausted to the point of needing a nap as soon as I wake up. So I'm taking that as a plus. So, you know, I'm- we switched roles. We switched roles. <laughs> Mine is self-induced um, because so we finally did the hood to coast race with all the realtors from the country and it was amazing and you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you about it anyways. So there were two vans of realtors. Van one was driven by Kansas City Real Talk past guest Nate Johnson was one of the drivers. Then there was van two, which I was a part of was supposed to be a 15 person passenger van. And at the last minute enterprise said, mm, sorry, we sold off that van. It's not a part of our fleet. Here's an expedition. So there were seven of us in an ex expedition for 36 hours, which was quite lovely and cozy. We had a driver who was Elizabeth Mendenhall, past podcast guest and past NAR president. Woo, woo. We had Brian Tui, who is the AE of the Columbia Board of Realtors, Columbia, Missouri. And we had Vince Malta, past NAR president. We had Molly and, Milan. And podcast guest. And pod, oh yeah, and podcast guest. Woo! We should have just recorded a podcast while we were in the darn van. We had Molly Milan, who's the wife of Colin, also a realtor. We had Maura Neal, podcast guest. Woo! And me. Amazing. And it was amazing. Mark Burschbach started us at 4 a.m. two Fridays ago, two weeks ago. And uh, his first leg, we start on Mount Hood. His first leg was six miles down the side of Mount Hood. Like you literally, it was just straight down a mountain, which means I don't know that he can still walk today because his legs were so <laughs> sore from just that first leg. But everybody did three legs. We slept in a field overnight between like one and 6 a.m. Um, it was good times had by all at one point. So you're in pretty much rural Oregon for almost all the race. Like we're in Portland for like about an hour and that was it. Everything else was just rural Oregon. And at one point, Mara Neal's only request was, can we just find a porcelain toilet? <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine wishing you know, to have a porcelain just, toilet. 
it really is just the little things in life. So whenever we got back to civilization, it was really nice just to have porcelain toilets again. Also in Oregon, they don't call them porta potties. They don't call them porta johns. They call them honey buckets. <laughs> and so before your next leg, have you used the honey bucket yet? That's okay. That's what, and they had, they had a contest going on that if you took a selfie with a honey bucket, you too could win your very own honey bucket. I don't know what you would do with your honey bucket. It's a horrible name for a thing, but it, really it was, it was exhausting. It was amazing. <laughs> um, it's good times. You, you had your hands full too. Uh, yeah. And, and, and possibly more than, more than I did. Now, now I, I have to say that my, uh, my, uh, for me, this podcast is brought to you by Lance's, uh, captain's wafers. Uh, it was a cream cheese and chives flavor. Oh, but um, they weren't plain. That's good. They weren't plain. No, the cream cheese and chives. I have to tell you, they were surprisingly good. Not very fulfilling as a, as a lunch, but, but right. tasty nonetheless. I, I'm pleasantly surprised. But, 10 out of 10 would, okay. would eat again. Would eat again. That's, would prefer to eat again like mm, right now. Yeah, actually another uh, another sleeve. Is it a sleeve? Are these sleeves? I would call it a sleeve. Yeah, uh, another sleeve. sleeve of Lance's uh, Captain's Wafers cream cheese and chives variety, please. Now, did that come from like your office vending machine or did you just find that in your desk? No, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it came from our snack uh, cart. So, so, let's so you just, could have another sleep. I remember, I can't, I shouldn't say this, but it's funny anyway. You know, we talk about the average age of, of this oh, industry. No. Mm-hmm. And when we're eating, when, when I'm eating captain's wafers and that's what's in the snack cart, mm-hmm. I remember eating these at my grandparents' house. They'd be like the cheddar and peanut butter yep. kind. Mm-hmm. And I, those were like my favorite thing, but I could only get them if I was around, if I was around somebody that was over 70, right? Like that's the only way that you find captain's wafers. Um, so it, it seems appropriate that I would have captain's are, wafers. Around. And in your cart, are there uh, club crackers and Werther's as well, or uh, there actually, might be some Werther's. rather than Werther's, we've got lifesaver mints. Yeah. That are which which are almost uh, that 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 level. But the thing is, is I love them. Those are delicious. Yeah. What those about the little strawberry ones? candies? You know the little wrapper. No, no, not those. those. Those are too sticky. Oh, yeah. The hot tamales are my favorite candy. This is totally like derailed at this point. So I'm very sorry. I just wanted to make sure that we got our <laughs> ad for Lance's Captain's wafers in. Um, but thank we you for all of that money that you've provided to mm-hmm. us. Okay. <laughs> We'll use that money. We they probably need a disclaimer that says crackers. not an actual ad, but that's okay. Was that your disclaimer? This yeah, is not that a, was a disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I like it. You well, know what? What are we discussing today? Who do we have on today? I am so excited for this guest. You don't even yeah. know. I know. This it's is a, this. It's a serious topic that we. It have is a very have. serious it's, topic. It's, it's an important one too. Yeah. Um. So it's September, which means it's Realtor Safety Month, mm-hmm. and. Um, so today we are going to be bringing on a friend of mine, Carl Carter, whose mom, you've most likely heard the story, Beverly Carter. Um, and she was murdered in 2014 while attending a showing. We'll have him tell the story, um, when he gets on here, but he's going to talk to us about some, you know, keeping ourselves safe and the importance of what him and the Beverly Carter foundation is doing in the real estate world. It's very influential right now. Um, and he's all over the place in a good way. I mean, that like you see him everywhere, not all over the place, like 
you know what I mean? Um, so we're really excited to have him as a guest of the podcast today, but now Alex, I have to ask you because I, I, I always hear, uh, differences in stories between males and females in real estate. So as a male, do you really take steps to protect yourself or do you kind of just go, I mean, I'm sure you do, but I don't know if it's to the same extent, like a female does like, what are some of the steps you take as far as like your safety when dealing with just strangers? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so as you know, I don't, I, I'm not out in the field anymore. I, mm-hmm. I do not sell anymore. But when I did, I, one of the first, uh, actually the Beverly Carter uh, story that happened, was it, was it 2014? Yeah. Yeah. It was it right after my mom. Year, it happened the year that I got started. And oh. so to be honest with you, for, for me, as soon as I really was active, that happened. And, uh, so I, I took it very seriously from the get go. Now I think it is different for men and women because, uh, I certainly do not, um, I, there, there are experiences, there are life experiences that happen with women that do not necessarily happen with men. Mm-hmm. And so women are, I think more naturally, uh, on, on alert. Uh, and it, and that might be a way that's probably a way over generalization, um, I should speak more about my experience as man, which is that I am not. Are you going to mansplain to me what I do? I'm not programmed <laughs> at all to be on uh, alert in the same way that that you might be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think that for men, it is an adjustment and, and it is easy for a guy to say, well, I, I never really consider my safety. Uh, well, you should. Uh, you absolutely should. I'm sure that's part of what we're going to talk about today. It's it's. Um, I, I, I make sure that, uh, we have somebody come to the office once a year uh, at a minimum, actually Tracy Hawkins, who, we, was- who has been a past podcast guest. Yep. Uh, I, I usually have her come once a year to talk about, uh, realtor safety. It's such a critical thing. Uh, you do hear stories about men that are, um, uh, in this business that are, uh, assaulted, mm-hmm. um, in Chicago, when we were in Chicago, there was a story about a, uh, a large gentleman who could have, I think he was a past police officer or something. And I, and he was, uh, he was left in a bad situation by a, what, what he thought was a prospective buyer. Um, so we all have to take it seriously. It is for all people within this industry. It is not just for women. And I've, I've always believed that yeah. because of the Beverly Carter story. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. I think you're right. And it's like, with women, there's a women's intuition anyways, that to a certain extent we're born with it, but to a certain extent, we have to pay attention to it mm-hmm. because there's enough occurrences that happen where your spidey senses kind of go off. And after time, and actually the book I'm going to talk about talks about our spidey senses to a certain extent, whenever we get to my book, but, but also I feel bad for guys because for a certain part of your life, you don't have to do that. And so it can get you into bad situations really quickly because you didn't have to listen to intuition. You didn't have to listen to your spidey senses and things can go wrong so quickly. Uh, One of my friends, I'm going to tell a really quick story so we can get the book bit, but he just told the story on Facebook today that um, I'm going to read it extremely quickly. So I got home from the gym and run into my house. I fixed a quick dinner and jumped in the shower to change clothes. I get back in my car and head towards KCI to pick up my niece who's been in Las Vegas for a business trip. Um, He talks about, he gets in the car and he starts wearing his headphones to listen to a podcast, which 
Let's not talk about the fact that he's driving with headphones on, but whatever. And the whole way he's driving from St. Joe to Kansas City, a few times he hears a voice. It sounds muffled and he couldn't tell where it's coming from, but he thought maybe his radio was still on and so he was hearing it. Well, this continued and so he eventually turned off the radio. He still could hear it a little bit. And so then he eventually just turned off the podcast. And then he was getting off on the Mexico City Avenue um, exit for the airport, which if you're coming from St. Joe, that's the way you go. And he said, as he pulled off the ramp again, he heard the voice. And that's when he realized someone was in the back of his car. And while he'd been home, someone climbed in the hatch of his car and he got back there and opened it. And there's just a random person in essentially the trunk of his car. And he basically said, um, the only coherent thing the guy says is, I don't know what time it is. And that's when I informed him it was time to get out of my effing car. And he stumbled into the grass and realized that he just left this guy in plat or basically Kansas City when he probably lives in St. Joe. But I'm just like, there's this random situation happening to a dude. Now, as a female, I have had so many instances where I have left a property and gone outside to my car. And I've literally, thank God that I made it out alive. Like there were times during the middle of the, the showing or whatever it was, that there were certain things going on that I was like, I'm not going to make it out alive. Um, there's been times I've had to file restraining orders against people, um, because they just became stalkers over to the, the years. And to this day, you will not see me put my photo on a business card. That's something I stopped doing. I'm running for treasurer of the Missouri realtors. There's only one marketing material item that I have put out with even my photo on it, even though it's Missouri realtors and they all know who I am. I don't put my photo on things anymore just because of the experiences I've had with men and strangers in this industry, essentially. So that's, you know, and one of my safety tips that I do is anytime I'm going somewhere and meeting someone new, my husband knows exactly where I'm going, what time I'm going to be there, what time I expected to do that. And it's also when I go running, like in the morning, I'm going to go running 20 miles. My husband will know my exact route that I am so that if I don't show up, he knows where to start looking for me. So, but that's our guest is going to be on stuff. soon and I got a book bit. So, well, what's your, you, you have a book bit? I have a book bit. Shocking. <laughs> Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Hey, see, little extra sassy on the kitty cat today. So this book, I am so excited to finally do uh, this book. I received in January at our Jan Missouri January business conference. Janet Judd brought in this speaker and everybody in the audience got this book. And I've just been waiting for the perfect opportunity to use it. And it just showed up and I was like, oh. This is the perfect episode to do it. So the book is called What Everybody is Saying, and it's by a gentleman named Joe Navarro, who's an ex-FBI agent, and it's his guide to reading nonverbal cues, which helps you spot others' true intentions and feelings, even when their mouths are saying something completely different. My favorite quote from the book is, the problem is that most people spend their lives looking but not truly seeing. Or as Dr. Holmes declared to Dr. or Sherlock Holmes declared to Dr. Watson, you see, but you do not observe. And so there are three tips from the book. And the first one is at least 60% of what you say is not coming out of your mouth. And he just talks about nonverbal clues that are coming from you or anyone else are often a lot more reliable than the words that are being said. The second one is there is one more option you can take next to fight or flight. And it talks about 
our limbic brain and um, the fact that when we were cavemen, our limbic brain and our response there was responsible for getting us from one cave to the next cave to get away from the lion. But then we have another option other than fight or flight, and that's freeze. And you talk a lot about like a deer in headlights. They stop to try to blend in with the background. And it's often just our flight is our last resort. And so it talks about freezing is always an option to try to see what's going on and blend into the background. And then the third tip is that you have to develop situational awareness if you want to master the art of reading people. Situational awareness is having as many details at hand as possible at any given moment. Because in order to know if someone's behavior is off, you have to first know what their behavior is like when they're normal. So this is, this is me. Whenever I come into a new group, I sit back and I watch all the people. I see the interactions. I see how people are. And it'll take me a good six months to a year to warm up to a new group of people just because I am very much a sit back and watch. I'm a people watcher until I understand everything that's going on because I, situational awareness is just something that's always been deeply ingrained to me. So that's my book bit, What Everybody is Saying by Joe Navarro, an ex-FBI agent. And now I think it's probably time to bring on our guest, Mr. Carl Carter. Let's do it. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk brought to you by KCRAR. We are here with our guest, Carl Carter, the founder and executive of CEO, sorry, of the Beverly Carter Foundation. Carl, welcome to our show. We are excited to have you here. September's Realtor Safety Month, and it's so important we share your mom's story. So let's start there. Talk about who you are, but talk about your mom. Talk about your mom's story. Uh, before you became on the podcast, Alex actually got licensed in 2014, and your mom's story was one of the very first stories he ever learned coming into real estate. And yet I know there's people who do not know your mom's story. So will you share that with us, please? Absolutely. So one, it's an honor to be with you guys. Um, and, you know, second, and, you know, just to, to start right in with the heavy stuff is um, I, I, I very much appreciate you guys, you know, with this approaching the seven year anniversary of losing mom that you, you remember her and you honor her and that you use this platform to help keep, keep agents safe. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so for, for you all that don't know who my, my precious mom was, her name was Beverly Carter. We are from the Little Rock, Arkansas area. Um, and my mom was an agent and had been an agent for over a decade. She loved the business. She was one of those super annoying agents that just beamed happiness and made the, the, the job look so, so easy. And um, she, she genuinely just absolutely loved the industry. But, but tragically, in the fall of 2014, um, September 25th will actually be the, the exact seven years to the day, she was deceived by a husband and wife. They were posing as clients. They said that they were moving in from another state due to work They um, and wanted to get into you know, a permanent residence as soon as possible. Mom was talking to both husband and wife. Um, they said they were cash buyers. And so they, they ultimately, you know, found that they were shopping for a property, but not, of course, for the intent of purchasing it, but actually for, you know, a perfect crime scene where they could kidnap her during the showing and 
take her um, as their um, their way to uh, what they thought would be a better life. They perceived my mom to be so rich that they would get enough ransom money from my dad that they would never have to work again. And, you know, during, during that showing, um, my, my sweet mom was caught by surprise and she was tased and, and it was awful. They, they put her in the trunk of a car they, and they held her um, in, in the bathroom of the home that they lived in. And, you know, ultimately because of so many things that my mom had done right throughout the process, um, you know, we knew exactly where to go look whenever she didn't come home that evening. And it really, it, it kept these bad guys, their plan for obtaining this ransom from, from moving ahead. And so they made this awful, awful decision to just settle with taking, you know, everything that my mom had on her person of value at that time and, and um, took her to a remote area and ended her life and buried her in a shallow grave. And, you know, since that time, you know, what started as me speaking out as a voice for my sweet mom to in effort to find her and then get some sense of justice for her ultimately turned into a message of safety because you know what we all do we're human we relate to one another and so as I you know have lived this life and gone down this journey of life without my mom and losing her in such a public tragic way people have related to me and they've told me their stories of victimization and so I saw a need I saw a need for us to to speak up about this more, to talk more about preventative measures that we can keep ourselves out of danger instead of being reactive and and just be a kind sounding board that hopefully inspires people to be safer and not one that scares people into being safer. Because I I truly believe that that doesn't honor my mom uh, at all. If any of us were to hear her story and walk away with a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of preparedness and a fire in our belly to uh, conduct our business in the safest possible way. So we have this beautiful nonprofit now. We have volunteers all over the country that, that help us keep the, the message at the forefront as best we can. And um, it's, it's, it's in my heart and I've got a fire in my belly about it and always excited to talk about it. So, so Carl, first of all, I just wanna say that thank you for being vulnerable and transparent. Um, this is actually the first time we've ever spoke, spoke like face to face. And, but I've always felt this deep seated connection to you because I lost my mom in February of 2013 in a tragic manner, though, completely the opposite of yours. And I share my mom's story. Like you share your mom's story. And I know how hard it is to be vulnerable and transparent and how at the core of both of us, we understand how extremely important both of our mom's stories are in real estate for extremely opposite reasons. So thank you from someone who's been there and understands on a different level what it's like and what this industry is like and how important it is to have this. Um, So let's just start. I was telling some stories like I've had restraining orders against people in my community because of stalking and things like that. Do you think that real estate is an inherently risky business and, and why or why not? So in short, yes, but in long, I could talk all afternoon about it, but I'll just say, and you know, so many times whenever I I talk about safety, I relate it back to my mom 
And so in my mom's case, she did not know this, these people. She had never met them. They were strangers that posed as clients to do this. But to, to talk about why she was chosen, it's this super uncomfortable truth because she was chosen. She was targeted for reasons that apply to every single one of us. And it is due to this public perception of immense wealth. And true enough, we can be successful in this business and make, you know, be quite financially successful. But as we all know, just because you have that R behind your name isn't a guarantee. Um, so, you know, when you're dealing with this, this perception of, of wealth and, you know, we are, we are people that just, and, you know, tongue in cheek here, we just drive around all day. We don't do anything. We wear fancy jewelry and, you know, just swimming in, in pools of cash. And so whenever you're combating this, this perception of that, and also being such an easy target, because it's, it's, we're so often alone, whether we're, we're showing or we're meeting in, you know, another spot just to, you know, get a quick signature or, you know, open houses. They're just, it's, it's just a bad combo, you know, and when we have, and I understand why we say things like, you know, hey, put your best foot forward, fake it till you make it, look your best. And so absolutely agree with that. But we have to, <laughs> as we are putting ourselves out there, we have to build the biggest hedge of protection uh, to keep ourselves from being a target. Carl, what, what, uh, I don't even know where to start. It is such a, like Bobby said, it's one of the first stories that I heard. And so I, um, Bobby asked before you came on uh, about uh, whether or not I, as a, as a male, um, took safety seriously in the field. And, and because of uh, your mom's story, um, I, I absolutely uh, did while, while I was out in the field. Uh, but can you talk to that just a little bit, uh, to, to the men that are maybe listening who do not take safety as seriously as they should? Um, and uh, maybe talk about some of the stories that are out there about men um, having being at the same amount of risk. Absolutely. So I I get pretty fired up about this too because I've you know I've been you know in in front of a group of people and you can you can see the glazed over look you know with with some of the guys in the room or or they'll speak up and very well intended but they you know you know, any of you ladies need, you know, somebody to go on a property with, you know, I got you. And so, and all that has its place. But, you know, if you, if we look back at the victimization that has occurred, at least publicly, what we have seen in the media this year, by what I've seen, which may not exactly, you know, be scientific, there have been more men within our industry that have been victims of homicide this year than women. And if you pair that with, we are a female dominated industry. So the fact that men are now for homicides outnumbering women, it's a real issue that men better pay attention and, and stop thinking that we are invincible and or that we won't be targets. The, the stories uh, of these men you know, range from, from people posing as clients to people posing as tenants to past tenants you know, recent, you know, we heard just as recent as, you know, less than a month ago of, you know, although not a realtor, the realtor was hurt and the home inspector was killed in Southern California because of a dispute over a property. So, um, gosh, you, you got me fired up there. But, um, yeah, it, it is absolutely something that we um, men have to uh, be mindful of. 
And something that we need to think about is that these are not, when we see these victimizations occur, these are not just crimes of opportunity that you have just by chance come across, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk and you come across this, this bad person that's like, oh, here's an easy target. Most of the time we see these just like with my mom and with these, these, these men that, that have lost their lives this year, they were targeted. And it was a process that, that was planned. And, um, and so even more to the point, we have to build those parameters. So great call out, Alex. And you're actually just telling that story. So before you came on, I told a story of one of my friends was driving last night to the airport and was hearing voices from his car and discovered someone had jumped into the trunk of his car and randomly had, was not a realtor. But it reminded me of another story just I read mm last night um, of a Kansas City realtor, one of our members, and I don't know if you saw this on Facebook or not, Alex, but it said, I went to do a walkthrough today for my out-of-town buyer on a home that had a very difficult seller. I could not believe what I was seeing with all the filth when I walked through the front door. And about then the seller walked in with a gun and started shouting about the condition of the home and why he felt the need to remove all of the appliances. Noticing the gun, I did not fuel the shouting, so I ran back towards the front of the house and got in my car. I started my car up and started backing up when I realized the front of my car had been torn off. Now, this is a person in the middle of a train. This actually was the day of closing. The realtor still went to closing. They still closed on it. His car is in the car shop being fixed up right now. And yet, here's a man who almost lost his life, not even by being targeted like we normally are. But because people have just lost their damn mind, I don't even know how else to put it. Um, are you seeing a difference in just agent safety right now, just in the last 18, 20 months, just because it just seems like the world has gone crazy? And do you see new mistakes that our agents are making on a regular basis? And how can we help them correct that? So, gosh, that's a lot. Um, and I'm so glad that that agent is okay. So, um, you know, just like Alex, you raise what is happening, what we are seeing, what I am seeing happen within the industry is that it, these crimes are making all of us have to think about this differently because if, I think it's so easy for us to just focus on the, you know, people posing as buyers. But, you know, to your point, that's not what that situation was. Um, we saw um, just you know, within the last couple of months that the, um, those broker owners that were killed by a former real estate agent in Kentucky, they came into, you know, if they had let him go, he comes back in and takes their lives. Um, you know, and to the point that we were making earlier about these, these men, two of them were killed by uh, tenants, and a current tenant and past tenant. And so it has us yeah, we have to be thinking about this is more than just getting a driver's license or meeting in a public place on the front end. People, people are on edge. And, you know, I hate to tell them myself here, but this is something that, that I'm, I'm, we are very fortunate, I think, that we have not seen more victimization in the past 18 months than we have. And it's and fueled in large part, one, because people have lost their damn minds and COVID has messed with all of our heads in different ways, but also because we are so dang busy. We're, 
And this happened to my mom, and I don't, I, I'm a part-time agent, admittedly, and even with just the few transactions that I've done this year, I have felt myself make decisions and either spur the moment, just trying to get the job done, and I'm getting sloppy, and I have to redirect and say, whoa, brother, remember your mama, remember to practice what you preach, and um, so I, I'm so thankful that we haven't heard of a victimization occurring, and, and I hope that that has been a, a reflection of the, of the reality uh, due to the, the frantic nature in which, which we've all been working for, for the last bit. So Carl, if, if you had to give a few tips uh, to help people uh, not make those kind of mistakes or slow down the process, I, I think what you just said is probably the best tip you can, you can, anybody can hear, and I might be wrong, I'm sure you're going to give some others, but remembering to slow down the process and, and maintain control and not go, not, not step outside of your routine too much. Right. That's, that's, that's one thing. Well, what other things can you, can you talk to us about that, that maybe people don't think of uh, that uh, can help them be safe in this profession? Well, you know, I think that you raise a good point just in what you said initially and that, and I think it's, it's actually one of the reasons why it's hard to get agents to go to safety training. One, because we don't believe that it can happen to us. And two, we are going to likely hear a bunch of safety tips that we probably learned when we were in kindergarten. And we are like, I get it, I know, I should do better. And so we're very dismissive about it. And admittedly, you know, when my company would make us do, so, uh, you know, safety type training before this happened to my mom, I'd be like, oh, you know, and so, so I get that. And, but to go a step further, what can we do? First thing, and I'll tell on myself, I consider myself the laziest student and I, and also I can't be trusted to conduct a, a good consistent business if I do not have if I have not defined repeatable processes and, and things in place that can help me stay consistent. And so that doesn't necessarily mean rigid, but just consistent. And so from a safety perspective, y'all, I know most of us, because I've done enough classes standing up in front of people and, you know, I'm holding up my phone and I say, you know, how many of you have gone into your settings and set up, you know, your, you know, your medical ID and, and that's called different things on the Apple uh, versus Androids, but how many of you have done that? And people are like, oh, I've been meaning to. Or how many of you have taken the time to have a conversation either with your spouse or a trusted colleague uh, about, you know, sharing at all times your location through your phone? So you're not having to remember, you know, at the front door before you do every showing to set a timer. You know, for the people that are out there like me, that we need the things, we need the process in place that we don't have to think about another step. We just need it to work and work for us. And um, so one is starting with the foundation, set up your tech, have the conversations as difficult as they may be about, hey, trusted person, this is what my day looks like. Here is how you can access my location, my calendar, my CRM, whatever it is that they can get to the details to see where you are, who you've been working with. Um, so I think that that's, that's a, a great start. Second thing is, you know, there is a very fine line between safety processes related to the initial meeting of new clients or potential clients and fair housing. And so what is good for one is good for all. 
And so if you're asking for driver's license on the front end or you're insisting upon that, that buyer consultation, not only for your safety, but to demonstrate your value in this business, then by George, do it to everybody. I don't care if it's a referral. If you're a professional and you're going to provide value, let's do it. So um, here I go again. My goodness, I'm going to take up a collection after all this. But um, so that, that's just some ideas. Um, you know, obviously, um, I do think it's important to acknowledge that we as agents have to have tough conversations, right? We just have, sometimes we just have to deliver news that, that sucks. And we see so often within the industry, this talk of practicing what we're going to say and offering scripting. And one such topic that I'm super passionate about is scripting out and rehearsing overcoming objections related to safety requests. And so these, there are some outliers that also impact safety, like how to navigate the conversation about how you will, you know, prove or have your clients prove that they can afford the home that they, they're interested in seeing. So that's a start, right? And then secondarily, like if you are going to implement practices in your business to ask for those IDs, do the buy. It, in my opinion, because I felt the sting of trying to practice what I preach, if I say, Hey, um, yeah, I'd be happy to show you that property, but I'm going to need you to uh, text me a copy of your driver's license. And then we're going to have to meet at Starbucks um, because this is for my safety. It's so off-putting. And it's like, it's, it's, you know, this could be, you know, well, obviously it is the biggest purchase of a person's life. Most of the people that we work with are amazing people that we, we want the opportunity to serve. So why start off on the foot of making them feel like an axe murderer? Um, so I'm very passionate about how we can practice uh, that conversation to, uh, to show how providing these things adds to the, the value, the professionalism that you bring, and not that you're just, um, you know, paranoid, uh, you know, and think everybody is out to get you. Okay. A couple of things, because I was taking, I was starting taking notes. And what's really funny is, <laughs> You had mentioned the having a process helps you with fair housing. I had just written that down. I wrote process, arrow, FHA. So A, exactly. When we treat everybody the same, you're checking the box for fair housing, but you're also protecting your safety. And you were talking about how like we have all the, a lot of times people will just tune you out or they won't even show up in the first place because these are all concepts we learned back in kindergarten. And I love to refer back to our RAS or our reticular activation system, where we have these things that are locked in the back of our brain, but we've forgotten that they're there until they get thrown into our face. It's when we go to the car dealership and we buy this car, nobody in town has, because it's absolutely amazing. And as soon as we drive off the lot, we see five people that have it because that car wasn't a part of our RAS until about five minutes ago. And that's why attending these things. And that's why having the knowledge of this stuff is so important because you need to have it at the forefront of your brain when you need it. One last question that, well, actually I have two last questions for you. You mentioned um, the public profile that we all have. You mentioned that your mom was targeted specifically because of the success that she had and the way that she was viewed in the community. There was a similar story with my mom. My mom was a top producer in our community for over 15 years. And whenever everything happened, it was, well, she could have never do that. That's not who she was at her core. She had very much the Robin Williams story where the face that we put on with the public is often a very different story behind closed doors for lots of different reasons. 
do you have any ideas of how we can still project our confidence, successful image, but while not overselling our image and we're just regular human beings, we're just a regular part of our community. Because that was my mom saying was everybody has to think I'm happy all the time. And I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> um, so very well said. I So absolutely. I mean, I think that there are things that we can do. And you hear people like really get into the psychology of, you know, even down to like head tilts in our, in our uh, headshots and is it, should you have, should you always have your face on every single thing from your sale, you know, for sale signs to your, you know, business cards. And, you know, I think, to, again, to go back to my mom's, you know, my mom's story, I honestly, I, it is believed and it's believed by the investigators. And also I, I feel this way, you know, that, a photo here or there would not have made a difference. Mm -hmm. Now, true enough, it, you know, it's believed that she was targeted probably from real estate marketing. But, you know, I'll tell you, if there's a, a photo of her that is, you know, if you Google Beverly Carter, it's like the picture that's used everywhere. And I was once, people were like, well, once there was this kind of criminologist and he wanted to pick apart my mom's um, headshot just to see if that in some way made her look vulnerable enough to this, this victimization. And so, you know, he said, there's a slight head tilt and the big smile and then the fancy jewelry, which I know to be just costume jewelry. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't know. I really struggle with it. Um, you know, another thing that mom was criticized in a, um, one of the, the crime shows because she at one point had a huge billboard on the interstate. And, you know, admittedly, it's hard for me to look at any marketing of my mom and not be, and to be totally objective because I look at her and I'm like, that's my mom, you know, and, and um, I don't look at her as, you know, just this, whoa, mega rich person. Um, I'll also, I will say though, I think that in addition to, you know, the things that we might can do, you know, the, the, you know, if it's the head tilt or the jewelry um, I just think at the end of the day, they're just going to be inherent risk because, you know, by damn realtors are the best looking people on the planet and we can't help it that we're pretty. <laughs> so we just have to put some dang things in place that we can, you know, screen these people to identify who they are. And then we follow up as best we can to try to determine intent because some of these psychopaths, they don't care if people know who they are. They're going to go for it. And you look at even, and I hate the topic of rape, but it's just the truth. Whenever you look at these rapists, they almost, it appears that they didn't even care about being caught. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the things with my mom just quickly is that, you know, evidence was found after they got her in their sites that they went, they Googled her. They, they went all through all of her photos on Facebook, which was wide open public, like, probably all of ours are, mine is. Um, I try to be mindful of locking down certain photos. And um, lastly, these people knew to go and take her name to um, online county property records to determine where she lived and the property value of the home that she lived in. So when you're combating, you know, things that are publicly available, um, you know, I just don't know that a headshot or the way that, you know, 
it's going to make all that big of a difference. Yep. If somebody wants to do bad things, they're going to do bad things. Yep. A head, oh. a head tilt isn't going to change that. No, right. but I, I do. I don't have my photo on anything and I haven't for quite some time. I stopped doing that after my stalkers. Um, last question. I asked this of every guest. What else have we not talked about today that we should have talked about or you want to make sure that you talk about today before we part ways? I, if you don't mind, I'll make it a two-parter. First is back to that point of screening everyone being consistent. When I tell this story to a room full of realtors, whether there are five of us, 500, when I get to the point of the wife got on the phone after the husband to assure my mom that she would be at that showing, there is this collective ocean that happens in the room because people say, the second that wife got on to assure me she would be there, suddenly it's safe. And, you know, based on, you know, the biases that we carry around that we have to fight, uh, you know, I, I, I encourage everyone to challenge that and approach everything consistently. Second is that, you know, my mom had been in the business over a decade. And she at times was absolutely top producer, just, you just knocking it out of the park. And so when you think about that kind of career and you think about, you know, let's just say 10 years, top producer. And so let's just say hundreds of clients she had the opportunity to serve. And then if you think through, well, how many showings does that account for? Let's just shoot low and say, my mom showed 1000 houses in 10 years. I know that's crazy low, but they, the point is that after all that, and after all that success, all it took, one client, one house, on a Thursday afternoon, and I lost her forever. Thank you. There's no other way to end this other than somberly like that. Thank you for your time, Carl. We've enjoyed having you as a guest. And I cannot wait to give you a hug in real life because oh it's going to be a big old hug. Wait. Yeah, it's going to be awkward. I can't wait. It is. I love awkward hugs. They're my favorite. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys Thank so much. Carl. Thank you for your time.